0: So, yeah, good stuff. Uh, next Sunday, April 29th, there will be a potluck meal. So, if you think you can make better lunch than today, bring it next week. <laughs> so, no, it'll be good today. Uh, building fund update our projects are the highway sign to proclaim Jesus to passers by, and the church house finishing and restoration a good opportunity to sow some financial seed. Our goal is $35,000. We are currently at $20,000, $20,085, yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, and thank you for giving. Got just under $15,000 left to go. Uh, From Kathy Cootley, our Children's Ministry Director, we have a new Elementary Age Kids Church Facebook page. If you'd like to be a part of this group, let Kathy know, and she can add you. Uh, she will make weekly updates as to what they will be studying in kids' church, and she will also let you know about things like when and where kids' camp, things like when and where is kids' church camp, etc. Okay. Through Sunday, April 22nd, which is today, uh, the elders are asking you to consider prayerfully Carefully submitting the names of potential servant leaders to minister as deacons and deaconesses. So I trust you're all prayed up. If you don't know what the Lord is leading you as far as the name goes, you have about an hour to uh, find out what the Lord wants you to put down. Uh, So next to the giving boxes at the back there by the exits, there are little slips of paper. So put the name on the person... Name of the person that the Lord puts on your heart. Um, Very good. And then put the paper in the box. Grandma Glennis and Grandma Joyce, are one of you going to come up here and give us an announcement about the book that you're working on?
1: Well, we've been having this class at 1 o'clock on Wednesdays for some time, and we're just starting a new book now. It's by Andrew Womack. You already have it. And the other morning, I was doing some things in the two bathrooms that we have and going from bathroom to bathroom, and I couldn't find my glasses. I knew that I'd brought them in the first bathroom with me, And I remember taking them into the second bathroom, but when I looked for them, I could not find them all over. And I had them on. (laughs) And that's what Andrew Romack is talking about, that we know Jesus, we're baptized with his Holy Spirit, but do we have the power that he promised that he would give us? Do we use that power? to do the things that he said that he would do after we were filled with power. And so Andrew leads us along that pathway to have this power manifested in us and think how our church would change if we could go to each other and say, will you pray for me for deliverance? Will you pray for me for healing? Would you pray for me for this or that situation? And we do that, don't we, to some extent. But we want to be better at it. And this is one thing, uh, reading this book together and having the Holy Spirit sit right in that room with us over here at one o'clock on Wednesdays and help us to uh, interpret this teaching.
2: I just wanted to remind them, on, on the cover here, there's a dog chasing his tail. Did you notice that? And that point is, he's already got his tail. He doesn't have to chase it. (laughs) And so many times, we're asking for things that in the spirit realm, we already have. And we've got to be reminded of that. And that's something that we do that with each other. And I think, this is one thing we want to encourage you. If you're free in the afternoon on Wednesday, make sure you come because we need you. You're a valuable part of it for us as well. You know, We learn from each other. Yeah, we do. Uh, we, we, the input that the kid, Judy in particular, <laughs> and Donna over there. <laughs> and Doreen, those are the ones that are coming right now. So we do, we've got a small group, but it's really, really vital. And,
1: uh, and if you want to come early at 12, we have a meal. Uh, our class takes turns with the quilters, mm-hmm. fixing lunch on Wednesday, so you can come for that at 12 to 1, two if you'd like. But it's fellowship time, and it's learning time, and it's group time together.
2: And men are welcome, if they would like to come. (laughs) If there are any that are wrong, they may gladly come.
0: I appreciate that. I can relate to chasing my tail. Could use some help in that. I have a simple parable to share with you this morning. I appreciate the perspective of this parable. Once upon a time, a greedy rich man hired a great mathematician. The rich man wanted the mathematician to find out the best way for him to make the greatest profit in everything that he did. The rich man was building a huge safe and his greatest dream was to fill it with gold and jewels. The mathematician was shut away for months in his study before finally believing he had found the solution. But he soon found there were some errors in his calculations, and he started all over again. One night, the mathematician appeared at the rich man's house with a big smile on his face. I found it, he said. My calculations are perfect. The rich man was going on a long journey the next day, and he didn't have time to listen to the mathematician's calculations. He promised the mathematician he would pay him double his wages if he would take charge of the business while the rich man was away and put the new formulas into practice. Excited by his new discovery, the mathematician was delighted to accept. When the rich man returned months later, he found that all of his possessions had gone. Furious, he went to ask for an explanation from the mathematician. The mathematician calmly told him what he had done. He had given everything away to people. The rich man couldn't believe it, but the mathematician explained it further. For months, I analyzed how a rich man could gain the maximum benefit, but what I could do was always limited. There's a limit to how much one man can do by himself. Then I understood the key was that many people could help us to achieve the aim. So the conclusion was that helping others was the best way to get more and more people to benefit us. Disappointed and furious, the greedy man stormed off, desperate at having lost everything to the harebrained schemes of a madman. However, while he was walking away disconsolately, several neighbors ran over worried about him. All of them had been helped when the mathematician shared out the rich man's fortune. They felt so grateful to the rich man that they offered him the hospitality of their houses and anything such a special man might need. The neighbors even argued over who would get to help him. Over the next few days, He saw the full results of what the mathematician had calculated. Wherever he went, he was received with great honor, and everyone was willing to help him in whatever way they could. He realized that his not having anything had given him much, much more. In this way, he managed to quickly set up flourishing businesses, but this time he followed the brilliant mathematician's advice. No longer did he keep his riches in a safe or anything like it. Instead, he shared out his fortune among a hundred friends whose hearts he had converted into the safest, most grateful, and fruitful of safes. And this was written by Pedro Pablo Sacristán. Now, I'm not saying that God wants you or me to give away all of our money. God is concerned about our heart. Our intentions and obedience are very important. He has me here on this earth for a specific individual purpose that is different from yours. He wants you and me to obedient, to be obedient to his specific individual call on your life, on my life. I have some general questions. Uh, Why do we do what we do? Do we do what we do for God's glory? Does God want us to be victorious in this life? I would say, according to the Scriptures, yes. Why does God want us to be victorious? Are we in a spiritual battle? Is eternity at stake? Yes, it is. And what is the great commission that God wants us to do while we're here? God wants us to go and make disciples, followers of him. So here's some personal questions. How can you make the greatest impact for God's kingdom while you are here on earth? And do your finances have a part in that? Jesus said in Luke 6:38, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, we read, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You can give with the measure of a teaspoon. Give cheerfully. You can give a tithe, which is 10%. Give cheerfully. You can give with a shovel give cheerfully. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your promises to us. Lord, I thank you for the blessing that it is to give. Lord, I believe that you have a plan for my life and each person in here, Lord, and we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of your amazing, uh, victorious life, Lord. And um, as you work in our hearts, um, we just thank you that uh, you are speaking to us even now as far as what you want us to do what you want us to give, and how you want us to live this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, the giving boxes are in the back of the church here by the exits. Pastor Dean.
3: Thank you. Good morning. Pastor Steve is at a True Bridge conference this week and then taking care of some details with uh, Joyce's mother's home and things so we ask the Lord to bless them hallelujah a couple weeks ago I was began sharing on <clears throat> the gift of tongues and the operation of that gift in our life last time it was kind of focusing on the intimacy with God that comes into our heart when the Holy Spirit uh, brings His presence in the baptism of the Spirit and how the gift of of tongues cooperates with that. I just want to continue a little bit, not on tongues so much, but as on the intimacy with the Spirit. Let's go to Philippians 1 in verse 9. I learned this week if you want to be able to doze off, watch a documentary on the search for interstellar hydrogen using radio astronomy. (laughs) Good way to doze off. (laughs) But Listen to Paul's prayer here that he is, you know, with passion, he's praying for the people of God. And it's really interesting, as you read through his different prayers in the epistles, how you catch the intent and in what he deemed as important for the people of God. And he was praying that these attributes and things would be in the people in strength. He says, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge in all discernment. He's praying that their love would find completion, fulfillment, maturity in real knowledge, real correct knowledge, and then also all discernment. <clears throat> Probably in the late 70s, early 80s, I read this in the oral, uh comments on this verse, And he said, love thus accompanied by a full knowledge of the truth and a spirit of correct discernment is one of the highest spiritual attainments. Love without these two accompaniments is blind and can lead to many excesses. Amen. And so God wants our spirit to be refined so that we can accurately flow with him we can accurately follow him we can accurately move with him god loves to cooperate with us in our life and in our ministry god loves to cooperate with us he loves to walk with us amen So today, I just want to talk about sharpening our discernment. Our correctly grasping the heart and intent of the Lord. To separate our own thinking, our own understanding, our our emotions, our circumstances, our own desires, and all the voices that can be set before us from the insight and guidance of the Lord. Amen. And we are just dynamically alive. Every day you have 50 different ways that you could go. I read the word and there's 50 different sermons that jump out at me. Which one do I choose? <laughs> I went through seasons where there wasn't one in the book. <laughs> but yet, God, you know, He made us be a dynamic people. And there's so many different voices, there's so many different uh, things that would motivate us, but there is in the presence of God, in the intimacy with God, a discernment that comes that we can learn to connect with, and we can learn to flow with Him in it. Let's go to Jeremiah 1. And so we see that we are training to renew the hidden man of the heart. Paul called it the spirit of our mind, the hidden man of the heart, the attitude that they do in in the attitude of your mind. The the core thing within our spirit, how we view life, how we view God, how we view our approach uh, in the kingdom, our mindset, our heartset. We're looking to train it to be more and more in line with how God sees things. Jeremiah 1.4 And here Jeremiah is a young person. God has visited him. He's calling him into the, to, into the office of the prophet. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. As far as we know, I don't know if Jeremiah had heard the word of the Lord before this or not, but yet here, God shows up and Jeremiah recognizes the voice of God. We can recognize the voice of God. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. None other will they follow. That is ours. That's reality. That's truth. But we also need to learn that there's so many voices. We need need to learn how to identify the voice of God. Amen. Then I said, alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. So that's kind of an ominous call at the beginning. (laughs) Don't be afraid of them. You'll go where I call you to go. You'll say what I'm telling you to say. But don't be afraid of the opposition. I am there to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Wow. Just through the power of the prophetic word, Jeremiah was going to have authority to work for the kingdom in the nation and to cause great things to take place and to sow powerful things into the nation just through the word of the Lord. Amen. Verse 11, the word of the Lord came to me saying, what do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree or a a sprout of an almond tree then the lord said to me you have seen well for i'm watching over my word to perform it and we take that you know as a overall word of the lord over all uh, his prophetic things the the bible as it is written is a prophetic word it's coming it came through men as they were carried along by the holy spirit And it has power to this day to change our life. Every word that God has spoken is full of power. Amen. And so we take it that God is watching over his word to perform it. But here, originally with Jeremiah, God said, the word I put in your mouth, I'm going to watch over it to perform it. Wow. And that same principle still works in a large part as we move with the Spirit, as we speak words of life, as we're flowing with Him. Our words can make a dynamic difference in people's lives. Whatever your place is in the body, whatever, whatever you're called to do, the position He has for you, the, one of the great things we do is talk. How many are good at talking? <laughs> We ever talk and talk and talk, and then, what did I say? (laughs) But there is a prophetic word, there's a prophetic voice that comes from God and works through us. We can all prophesy one by one that all may learn, that all may be edified. I desire to be accurate in the words that I speak. But it's interesting that God tells Jeremiah, you have seen well. So this sounds like kind of a pretty obvious conversation. What do you see? I see a a branch of an almond tree, and the Lord tells him, you've seen well. Uh, this, for some reason, this has always been a part of meditation for me, what is worse. And many times when God gives us a understanding, He brings revelation to us, it's possible to pick the wrong emphasis out of the revelation. And so I can imagine this Vision that God had given Jeremiah had a whole many things involved with it. Maybe there was, you know, the the orchard it was in. Maybe there was a other things surrounding it. And the Lord says, "What do you see?" And Jeremiah says, "I'm seeing the branch of an almond tree." And the Lord says, "You're seeing well." I remember back in the '60s when. My parents had a TV, a black and white TV, out in the country. And they had an uh, antenna on top of the house. <laughs> Remember those days? <laughs> and we could get two stations. We could get Canada and we could get Hibbing. Point it one way, you get Canada. Point it the other, you get Hibbing. So, I don't know, once a week, if you wanted to see something in Canada, he'd get up there and have to turn the antenna. <laughs> to face the north. And we had a little chain of communication. Somebody would watch a TV and somebody would be out on the front porch and then they'd yell up on the, it's getting clearer, there's still some snow there. <laughs> yep, I think you got, that's good, that's good. <laughs> well, I don't think that's what God is saying here. What do you see, Jeremiah? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to adjust it here. Is it clear yet? <laughs> that's not what he's saying. He's saying, how do you read it? How do you perceive it? Are you catching what is in my heart? Are you catching the emphasis of the kingdom here? And Jeremiah said, he just answered, honestly, I see the rod of an almond tree. I've been in meetings where people would have a word of knowledge or revelation it's it's a good word of knowledge from god but they focus on the wrong thing somebody has some kind of issue in their body and they'll come up and they said well i i saw him before and yeah he was wearing that green shirt well they focus on the green shirt i wonder what that green shirt means But here they've got some kind of demonic issue going on. Sometimes we can focus on the wrong thing and not connect with what God is really doing. Amen, Joan? And so we need to be praying, Lord God, show me, teach me, refine me. That I can flow with your spirit. I can have accurate inform- information. Detailed, accurate information. That I can minister with your heart. Hallelujah. I want to just read a few scriptures here about adjusting our spirit. To correctly discern what God is showing us so we can correctly discern the will of God and correctly discern our part in it. And it's like a living, flowing connection with the Lord. It's not sharp. It's not static. It's full of life. It all comes down to being a disciple of Jesus. If there are issues in our life, that are not in the same place that our spirit is it can hinder our discernment in John 8:31 well let's go to mark mark 4 and verse 4 So first of all, we see that we love every word that God speaks. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so this was the dynamical, dynamic part of the walk of Jesus when he was in a time of temptation, when the enemy was trying to pull him away from that clear focus on his father and had twisted the word. He says, I'm listening, I'm hearing, I'm walking on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He was being tempted to turn the bread into a stone, or the other way around, turn the stone into bread. And he said, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's life. That's life. That's fulfillment to me. It's more important than natural things. In Luke 14, 25, And let's just catch a little bit of the season here as Jesus is ministering. Now large crowds are going along with Jesus. And miracles are taking place and different things. Large, huge crowds, the Amplified says, were going along with Jesus. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me, does not hate his own father and mother, in the sense of indifference to a relative disregard for them in comparison to his attitude toward God. And likewise, his wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. Wow. This is the command from heaven. When the Spirit of God comes into my heart, this is the passion that he brings It's all God. As I love God, as I'm devoted to God, then He puts my life in order more and more as I walk it out. But my passion is for God. I don't have compartments. Well, I have this for you know this part of my life and this for church and this for family and this for work. I don't have compartments. I have God. And this wasn't just for the elite. He said this to huge crowds that were going along with him. If anyone comes to anyone, comes to him does not hate his own father and mother, that sounds extreme. Can you imagine listening to his sermon? He had to catch it in the spirit. God doesn't, you know, We're called to honor our father and mother. But yet, here he's talking about in relationship to God, there's no second. It's not one, two, three, four. It's just one, God. This is the cry of the Spirit that comes into our heart. This is where we find life. This is where we find the glory of intimacy with him and the world, and the devil, and time try to come in and eat away at the oneness of God in our life. But yet, the glory is residing within us. He keeps us in step with him. Whoever does not preserve and carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you wishing to build a farm building does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see whether he has sufficient means to finish it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is unable to complete the building, all who see it will begin to mock and jeer at him, saying, This man began to build and was not able, was not worth enough to finish. Or what king going out to engage in conflict with another king, will not first sit down and consider and take counsel whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot do so, when the other king is still a great way off, he sends an envoy and asks the terms for peace. So then, any of you, again, he's talking to a large crowd, not just the twelve. Any of you who does not forsake, renounce, surrender, claim, give up to, say goodbye to all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's not in getting rid of liquidating everything, but that's the heart cry. (laughs) We just give up everything else and my heart's cry is for him. That's the demand, that's the basic demand for discipleship. That's the foundation of discipleship. You know, as as believers, our vision is not just to get to heaven. I want to be a disciple of the Lord. And really, if by faith we can abandon ourselves to Him like this, as the Spirit is pulling and drawing us into this while we step into life. We don't lose anything. We step into life. This is not a negative message. It's a strong call from God. He says, I want you to be of this kind of intimacy with me. I desire for you to come into the glory of my kingdom with wide open, full arms. Amen. The Spirit is drawing us. We need to let loose. It's so beautiful, you know, to count the cost. You know, Paul, when he was called, he went to Ananias and he Ananias prayed for him. But the Lord told Ananias, you know, you know, go pray for him. He is my vessel that I ordained. But he also said, I will show him. How much he must suffer for my name's sake. And it's interesting. I don't think that was just as Paul got to the end or whatever. He says, "Yeah, I guess I did suffer." That was more, I believe, counting the cost. God was going to reveal to him not every detail that was going to happen, but that there was going to be obstacles he was going to have to overcome, persecutions he'd have to endure, rejections that he'd have to face to follow. The king. And Paul just said yes to him. Bill Johnson said this recently, I was listening to him, and he said, You know, as we walk with God, we say yes to him before any situations come up that need to be answered. We make that surrender to him. We say, Yes, doesn't matter what I go through, doesn't matter what I face. My commitment to you is not dependent upon circumstances. I say yes. And the details are already taken care of. Let's just read one more verse this morning. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10. For Demas has deserted me for the love of this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. Thessalonica. And so Demas started out, but, you know, I don't think traveling with Paul was probably too easy, so this isn't condemnation on him. But it's just, you know, he had deserted him, <coughs> the mission, because he loved the present world. Then in the next verse, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very helpful to me for the ministry. So Mark had left him earlier, and a big division happened between Paul and Barnabas because Mark had deserved him and Barnabas wanted to take him along again. So Paul and Barnabas split up over the over the dispute. But here, bring Mark with you. Even if we have made choices in the past where we've stepped outside the call of God and we've given ourselves to That something that we know in our heart is not the path that God has called me for. God is the restorer. God is the healer. His gifts and his callings are without repentance. Come, get back into that stand with him. Get back into that place with him. Get back into that place of full surrender. You can't undo some of the choices. You can't go back and say, okay, I'll go back and do what I I thought I was to do then. You can't do that, but you can get back on track with him now and then as you go forward into the future, you can obey and walk with him and serve him and love him. God wants so much to be with you, to live through you, to cooperate with you. Jesus worked with them and performed signs and wonders. They went out and did the work but he worked with them. He was right there with them. That's how it is with Jesus and us. And if if we don't settle these issues, sometimes our discernment will be affected. If there's issues there that are not totally surrendered, if we've taken steps outside of him, we can find that how we perceive things are not that accurate. God wants us to press on. Press on and press in to really be effective for him. Hallelujah. Let's just present our hearts to the Lord this morning. Amen. This is a call to hope. This is a call to life. This is a call to intimacy. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would work in our hearts today to draw us into that place, refresh that place of discipleship. Let us find the thrill and the wonder of this Lord, where we can shine your light into our circumstances, our family, our work, everything, Lord. We can just shine your light, Lord God. We can hear your voice, we can cooperate with you, we can sense what you're saying, we can be accurate in discernment. Lord Jesus, we love you. Just tell him you love him this morning. Oh, I love you, Lord God. I love you, Lord God, with all my heart, hallelujah. Earlier I was, during worship, I could see that God was wanting to heal people today. If you have a need in your body, I'm gonna ask you just to come forward and we'll pray for you. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. You have not because you ask not. If you have a need in your physical body, now is the time. Amen. Father, we thank you for the meal today, we thank you for the fellowship. Thank you for your life. Amen. Lord, bless you.